Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. During his first two seasons at Florida State, Coach Mike Norvell collected just eight wins to 13 losses. Last year, he turned things around and went 10-3 and while beating LSU in the season opener and finishing the year by knocking off Oklahoma in an exciting Cheez-It Bowl. This year, with the return of quarterback Jordan Travis, as well as top receiver Johnny Wilson and top defensive player Jared Verse, expectations are high for the Seminoles. With the Garnet and Gold game coming up Saturday, April 15th, we welcome in for the first time Tallahassee Democrat Seminoles reporter Essen Kassam, who will tell us what he's been seeing during FSU practices and scrimmages thus far this spring. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Essen Kassam took over covering the Seminoles for the Democrat this past August. He got to see the Seminoles turn around their program after struggling for the past five seasons. Let's welcome him in to hear what he's been seeing out of the Seminoles during spring practice. Essen, welcome to your inaugural visit to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Nice to talk to you. Let's start on offense, where quarterback Jordan Travis returns for his sixth season of college football, his fifth with the Seminoles after playing 2018 for Louisville. Last year, he threw for more than 3,200 yards, had 24 touchdowns and five interceptions. And Essen, at 22 years old, with a career record of 15-5 and five as a starter, do you believe he comes into the 2023 season as one of the favorites for the Heisman Trophy? I do believe he comes as one of the favorites for the Heisman Trophy. Um, he um, has, you know, like you mentioned, the stats. He had 24 touchdowns, 3,200 yards last year. Doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Can also he had um, he had a knee injury last year against Louisville. So um, for a few games he was not running. So that might be part of his game again, adding to running as we saw in the, um, against Florida, where he had like you know, those great runs that he slid down and didn't score touchdowns on, but great runs, evading sacks. So he's going to have his Heisman moments. He's going to have, with his speed, he's going to have his Heisman moments. He's going to throw the ball a ton. The offense is going to be explosive. My one reservation for him winning Heisman would be Florida State's schedule after the first four weeks gets extremely weak. Um, so I don't know how many full games he's going to play, which could get interesting to see how much, like if he doesn't play in fourth quarters, if he, if, if he can pad those stats or not, you know? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, year over year from from the prior year to last year, it's amazing the leap he made, especially because he was, you know, mainly known as a running quarterback a couple of years ago when he won the job. And then last year, 
you know, definitely came out throwing a lot more. He still, though, was a, a third or fourth on the team in rushing and, and had, a, you know, a, I think it was five or six rushing touchdowns. Heck, he even caught one, uh, one receiving, uh, one reception for two yards and a touchdown. So just a great year for him last year. How has he looked so far in spring practices and the scrimmages? Yeah, so actually, um, I wrote a um, article earlier this month. Um, I mean, maybe it was last month. Who knows time anymore? It was end of March. Um, I wrote a call, um, a um, article about ten players who have improved the most, um, and Jordan Travis is on top of my list. Um, he looks more com- He seems more confident than he even seemed last year. He's um, gained some um, muscle. He looks a little bigger. He looks stronger. He looks bigger. Um, he he looked just improved. And that's the interesting part about that is, in the first scrimmage he played didn't play at all. Second scrimmage, he played um, one series. So they've kind of limited his reps to get the backup quarterback some um, time because he knows the offense. He knows everything. They have confidence in him. They've kind of one fan on the sidelines and watching along with the coaches to kind of see what his feedback is of the offense. So it's interesting. Um, he's more confident. He's he looks better better than he did last year, which is saying a lot. Yeah, and you know he he's certainly got the pieces behind him too. I mean, let's look at running back. You've got the team's leading rusher Trey Benson, who was just a shade under a thousand yards last year. He's back. You know, you've got Lawrence Toafili. And then you've got Rodney Hill, who I, I read your story. He's AKA Tornado nowadays. So, how good do you expect this backfield to be? And what part does each play as far as, you know, is one guy speed? Is one guy power? Is one guy pass catching? Like, you know, tell me a little bit about the running back room. Yeah, so I'm um, start with Trey Benson. Um, he's the workhorse back. He's going to get the majority of the carries. Um, he's was PFF, Pro Football Focus's most elusive running back last year. Um, he breaks tackles like crazy. It's fun to watch him run. He's a powerful runner, but he's also can like, you know, find the hole and hit home runs. He's improved this um, in spring so far with his catching. It's been interesting to see um, Lawrence to Philly is the guy you, you, um, you know, he gets occasional in between a tackle, but he's not, that's not his strength. His strength is um, cutting out of the backfield and on those wheel routes, he's unstoppable. Once he gets lined up against a linebacker or a defensive lineman, He's their receiving back. Rodney Hill is kind of a, um, kind of like a Trey Benson light that he can make people miss. He's elusive. He's gained a lot of confidence this year, you know, um, of breaking tackles, and that's he earned a nickname Tornado from um, um, Norvell for that reason. You can check out the story on that um, about the background on that. And then there's a couple more guys. C.J. Campbell was a former walk-on, um, was still a walk-on, but he's earned more time. He's been an interesting case. Um, he's a player that the team loves to celebrate whenever he does anything in practice or in game. So he's a fun player. He's obviously loved by his teammates. Keziah Holmes transferred from Penn State in season last year. Did not play much. Um, looks like he'll be a walk-on, but he'll probably play a little bit of a role. Could get some touches. And then um, Samuel Singleton will come in as a freshman during the summer, um, fall, and join the team. He's probably not going to see much the playing field much this year, but He's going to learn from a great group of that's very close room as well. Yeah, it sounds like they are definitely stacked at that position. And then you also move over, you look at their receivers. I mean, two of their top three receivers are back. And of course, Johnny Wilson, who again, he was just a shade under a thousand yards. You've got Micah Pittman and, uh, you know, Wilson, he had 897 yards, five touchdowns. So talk about their chemistry with Jordan Travis, because, uh, 
you know, it certainly always helps when you have guys that are that good and coming back to work with a quarterback who's that experienced. Yeah, no, um, Johnny Wilson was, I won't say a revelation to people who cover the team because watching him in practice, he's a massive imposing force. He had great practices. The one thing he needed to work on last year was drops, and we saw that throughout the year where he had some drops. But the Oklahoma game was, you know, maybe his best game where he caught that um, big touchdown from Travis to set up the field goal, or that big touch, that big pass from Travis that set up the game-winning field goal. Just, you know, he caught the ball, um, beat his man, caught the ball, made a great catch, and got downfield. But um, him and Jordan have a great chemistry. Um, it looks like Travis, that's his go-to receiver. He'll find him all the time, look for him. He's gotten more consistent with his route running has improved this um, this spring for sure. Um, he's been a little more short-handed, so that's helping. Uh, he still has his occasional drops, just something kind of part of his game. But he's improved. Um, Micah Pittman, actually, um, their number two receiver last year, is currently out. He had hip surgery, um, I think, in February. So um, he was supposed to miss four to six months, um, and then with the recovery and everything, it's still questionable when he'll make it back, if he'll make it back this year, depending on everything. So it's been an interesting thing to see um, with uh, Winston Wright, former who transferred to the team last year, didn't play it because he got in a car accident before the season. Um, but he's looked good in practice. Ja'Kai Douglas is um, who I was thinking was going to actually overtake, in my opinion, Micah Pittman. Um, has looked impressive in camp. He's the best route runner. He has great ability to separate, get open, and he has good speed after the catch. He's someone I would say, Ja'Kai Douglas is someone that people need to watch in the spring game and the rest of the season. I think he's going to be very, very good. Then obviously in the tight end room, um, they bring back Marquiston Douglas, who played a bunch last year, really came on at the end of the last year. He's a right, um, right now, I think, the favorite to start. But then you have Jaheim Bell, the South Carolina transfer, Kyra Morlock, the... Um, Another transfer, we're both looking great in practice and have had another depth to this um, you know room. Jaheim Bell is the player I'm most excited to see in the offense, just because we've seen Norvell with Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, etc. at Memphis, guys who are used in multiple facets instead of just one position, pigeonholing is one position. So Jaheim Bell had a ton of carries at South Carolina. They use him out of the backfield. They um, they use him as a receiver. They line him up wide as a um, as a receiver as a tight end. He he's learned, he's improved his blocking, so it could be interesting to see what that offense looks like. To see what how Bell is utilized. Yeah, definitely, it's going to be an exciting team. I mean, look, they couldn't have started off the season or ended the season any more exciting than they did with that LSU win, winning by a field goal, and then beating Oklahoma by three in the Cheez It Bowl, but. Coming into this season, and I love this story, you know, Jeremiah Byers refers to uh, the offense there for Florida State, and I was reading your story. He called them the Showtime Lakers, where Jordan Travis is Magic Johnson, and where Johnny Wilson is uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So uh, what what did you think about uh, him? Refri- I mean, look, this team probably going to be good, but is that a bit of a stretch, or what did you think about that? I feel like it's, it, it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, I don't think... <laughs> Florida State is quite, I think, um, you know, obviously you have Caleb Williams and um, USC, who might be the best offense in the country, um, just because he might be the best quarterback in the country next year. Um, so I don't think it's a generational talent team. We've seen Florida State with better offenses, maybe, you know. So 
maybe it could be the best offense in Florida State history, but even then, we're talking about a stretch of comparing it to the Showtime Lakers. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the 2013 Seminoles team, who was 14-0, and may have something to say about that. And then, of course, some great Bobby Bowden teams and, and Heisman Trophy winners going back to Charlie Ward. So, But, you know, it, it is. It's going to be an exciting offense. And, you know, you mentioned players, you know, top players. A lot of the Florida State players decided to come back and another one let's let's move to defense where Jared Verse I mean he probably you know certainly would have been drafted in the NFL draft but I think he wants to come back and try and win big here with Florida State so how big a boost was that for this defense and uh, how has he looked so far this spring yeah and a major major boost to get Jared Verse back um he is someone that you know I was thinking was gone was not coming back um, you know, a lot of mocks have going in the first round draft in the first round of the draft, so I thought he was gone. But that's an interesting thing is, um, as fans and writers, we look at mock drafts, but we don't definitely don't know what's going on when the players told what round they're going to go in by agents or by teams. So I think he might have gotten, a, I think he might have gotten a second round grade. Then you know, with NIL, the battles then stepped in and probably gave gave him some good money. So he still has, um. One thing, um, like as you your question, you know, what's he improved on? Um, Norvell has um, praised his the improvement of his technique and of just being a um, more sound player in the in the fundamentals, which I think will go a long way for him to be drafted high again next year, and obviously help Florida State win. Yeah, you mentioned the NIL money and. You know, nowadays you can probably make close to as much money as you're going to get on a rookie contract. But the only thing is, is if you see some of these guys returning for that one year in the NIL money, if they do get injured, you know, then they don't have that three or four year rookie contract that they could get. So be interesting to watch how some of that plays out, not just at Florida State, but of course throughout the country. But, you know, talk about the rest of the defense there at FSU. Who are some other players that you expect to stand out in 2023? Yes, I mean, I'll start with the player that you is kind of impacted by NIL, um, Fabian Lovett. It seems like he came back because of NIL, you know, because I thought he's an older player. I think he's 24, 25. So by the time he's drafted, he's going to be an older player. He might not get drafted because he's older. So that's interesting. If he gets hurt this year, he might not get drafted at all. So that's a player, but I expect him to have a big season. He, you know, he was a big part of the defense, anchoring at the defensive line. Um, the player I think is going to surprise a lot of people and this time, um, this time next year, leading up to the draft, we'll be talking about as a potential first-round pick is Patrick Payton, um, defensive end for Florida State. Um, in practice, he looks like he's looked like one of the most explosive players. He's had some strength. He was pretty good in the pass rush last year. He's worked on getting better in the um, run game, and he's had a couple of good stuffs in practices and scrimmages. He's looked well improved. Um, you know, um, Tatum Batum's back. Great, ta- um, good linebacker. Um, DJ Lundy, big player to have back at linebacker. They, they got, you know, um, Omar Graham, a uh, redshirt freshman, has looked good at linebacker. He's probably one of the most improved players. Um, Joshua Farmer, defensive end, has looked good. Um, player to watch, Amarion Cooper, um, cornerback, well, safety now. He As a freshman, as a cornerback, at the end of the season, he came on, and everyone had a high expectations for him as a sophomore. Kind of struggled last year, but um, has been moved to safety. With had dealt a lot of injuries, he's moved to safety this year, and has looked pretty good out there. So he could be a player that makes a difference at a new position. Then you have um, Ventral Cypress, the transfer from Virginia, who um, 
is a good replacement for Jamie Robinson, not position for position, but as a leader of the defense, as a veteran who has a lot of playing time. He was second team all ACC last year and has um, can make Florida State's defense a lot better. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I love Tatum Bethune too. Uh, you know, former UCF player who transferred to FSU last year, and you know, he's another guy that he just got a motor that doesn't stop. So defense is expected to definitely look strong. So let's talk about this upcoming Garnet and Gold game, which is is kind of why we're here today. I mean, you got the game; it's coming up Saturday, April fifteenth, four p.m. Coach Mike Norvell, obviously, he's not going to open up the playbook to give anything away to opponents. But what are some of the things you expect them to work on? You know, as this gets in front of recruits and national audience and everything that goes along with a spring game. I think one thing that we'll definitely see is um, he's going to work on red zone situations, different, you know, just situations to make sure the team is ready for different things. I would definitely expect him to pull out some stops to make it as one thing he's always talked about in, pra- in practice. He wants to do is make as an un- uncomfortable as possible for players. So that's something that's going to happen. He's going to do something that's going to make the players uncomfortable whether fans notice it or not, he's going to do something to like, you know, just make it a little harder. At the last practice, um, there was a couple times a player scored, and he just stopped them at the one-yard line. He's like, nope, we're going to try it from the one-yard line, see if we can score. He's someone that likes challenging his players. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, talk about the coverage we're going to see of the game. And again, everything that Essen does can be found at Tallahassee.com for all of your Seminole sports needs. So talk about some of the coverage of the game. Yeah, we're going to have, um, you know, um, our, it's going to be our usual football coverage, football game coverage. We'll have a live update. We'll have, um, you know, takeaways right after the game, have a column after the game. We'll probably do some superlatives for who was best freshman, best blah, 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 you know, from the game. We'll have stuff leading up. Like, you know, we have two practices Tuesday, Thursday, probably have stories out of that, um, a feature, like, you know, just general um, week football week stuff. So it'd be um, a lot of stuff coming this week for FSU football. Then it kind of dies down again when football going away again. Yeah, definitely. So that's, you know, this is kind of the last, uh, the last feasting of football before we get a few months off before the start of the season. But, you know, th- this Saturday while they're playing, there's tw- at least 27 other spring games that I counted on the schedule. And that includes Georgia, Ohio State, Texas A&M. You know, the Florida Gators, they took a different tact last year where they moved their game to Thursday night. And they're doing that again this year, which gives them the advantage of bringing in some recruits that may have otherwise gone to some of these other games. So, you know, do you think maybe FSU should try and consider finding unique day and time or you know with a team that's on the up like them do you think it matters i i, I think it's the second one i don't think it matters with a team that's on the up um, you know they're nationally prominent um people are gonna tune in to watch if they want recruits um can make it to you know a spring practice or a spring scrimmage and i think with the technology these days it doesn't matter as much as it used to but I do, I do, I like the Florida Gators' approach of doing it on Thursday when no one else is doing it. It's kind of, I think it's, it seems like a science experiment to see how it, how it actually pans out if it actually get helps with recruiting. I think um, Napier said last year it helped a little bit, so it's be interesting to see if it helps a little more this year, because obviously that program needs some, um, you know, to recruit well and get back to where it was. But I think it could be a science experiment to see if they do better. We might see teams start doing it different days. It could get interesting. Yeah, we need spring games on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Let's let's just blanket the week with some of these spring games to get college football in there. 
I agree. This is like, you know, the NBA is in between the um, regular the regular season is ending, which means games 80 to 80, 80 to 82. No one's playing. Um, not the stars are not playing. We're past the March Madness. Um, MLB season is too. I, I love baseball, but it's a little too early to actually care about the games, you know, <laughs> with the 162 game season. And, you know, there's no NFL. The draft is still weeks, weeks away. So why not, you know, just blanket the week and blow up spring coverage. You're going to, you know, if you do a Monday game, you're going to get so much money. You're going to, you know, you're going to have so much interest to watch people watching you. Well, I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. I, I don't really know anybody high up in the NCAA, but if they're listening to this, come on guys, let's, let's spread it out. But, you know, Mike Norvell, you know, going into last year, I mean, he was, he was on the hot seat after three and six and five and seven in his first two seasons. And, you know, his, predecessor Willie Taggart only got two seasons so he comes out automatically becomes a genius after a 10 and 3 season it's funny how that works so uh you know boosters and fans alike are happier so what does he have to do to keep that momentum going in 2023 I mean you know three losses last year does he have to do two or one this year does he have to get in the final four or you know does another 10 and 3 season keep everyone up there in Tallahassee happy I mean I think the problem with the 10-3 season is if you look at Florida State's schedule, it's hard to find three losses because that schedule is pretty weak. So I think a 10-3 season would be a major disappointment. <laughs> I mean, unless you have you know lose to LSU week week one and then lose to Clemson twice in the week week four and then in the ACC championship game, probably the best way to get three losses. But I think that would be a lot of disappointment that, if that happened you know, that way. Yeah. I think um, with Clemson, you know, figuring out a new quarterback – Figuring out a little bit of a, uh, it was a little bit of a down year last year, so they might not be the same Clemson they've been. Just the way the ACC is, if you don't win the ACC this year, I don't think he's being in the hot seat, but it's gonna, you know, I think the hot, the only way he gets on the hot seat is if he goes finds a way to go five and five and six this year or something like that, you know. But um, yeah, I think for the expectation is getting to the college football playoff or at least the New Year's Six game. Anything else would probably be a major disappointment in Tallahassee. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they're definitely, uh, you know, Florida rebuilding down there under Billy Napier and, you know, Miami, we'll, we'll see how they're going to do. And of course, FSU took care of them last year. So, you know, I, def- I, I agree with you that it's going to be hard for them to find, you know, more than two losses, LSU and Clemson. I mean, you never know with Pittsburgh or, you know, something like that. But, uh, you know, FSU during the during the offseason, they hired Patrick Sertan Sr. to be their defensive backs coach. And he was an accomplished NFL player with the Dolphins. He won multiple state titles as a high school coach. He spent a year last year with the Dolphins, and he's a friend of the podcast. He actually joined me uh, a year ago just before he took the Dolphins job. So, you know, uh, what type of impact does it have, you know, to get someone with that type of experience whose son is also a star, you know, in the NFL? And, you know, how's he been uh, reacting with the kids on the team? Yeah, no. So one thing he mentioned to us um, – at his introductory press conference, Patrick Sertan was um, that he took this job because he wants to play a father figure role, which he cannot play in the NFL because it's a different spot. You know, um, you're not getting to do the same relationship with players that you get at the college level. So that's the reason he took this job is to build that relationship. He likes doing that. Um, we know he can recruit. Um, he's players gravitate towards him. They love that. You know, you mentioned his son. That's a major, major drawing point. Like he got him there. How do I get there? He, as you mentioned, won two state championships. 
multiple state championships at, um, as a high school coach. So he has the pedigree. He has the history of playing. In, and a lot of these prospects never saw him play in the NFL. They're too young for that. But they know who he is. They know his stat. They know his background. They know his history. And he relates to them. He helps them. Like, you know, tells them small things. This is what you got to fix. This is what you got to fix. He coaches them up. And the players have mentioned that he's made an impact on them. Omari and Cooper has mentioned that moving a safety, how much their tens helped. Um, just Greedy Vance, another wide receiver, um, Cypress. The prospects have mentioned that, like, you know, he sits down and watch, recruits sit down and watch tape with him. And he says, this is what you're doing well. This is what you need to fix. Yeah, and you know the the other thing that that struck me when I spoke to him was the guy's got a mind like a steel trap. You know, I I was joking with him. I said, well, you know, do you recall all the times you intercepted Tom Brady? And he rattled them all off. I think it was three. He remembered the games, and I think he even got the years right. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that he just he knows how to kind of disseminate, remember, and share information. So, you know, you mentioned recruiting too. You know, a guy like that's certainly going to help with recruiting. Talk about you know FSU's recruiting class. You know, even even when they were struggling a couple of years ago, they were still bringing in four and five star players, which is certainly why they've been able to elevate back to where they are. So how does this year's crop look? And, uh, you know, are some of those recruits going to be on display during the Garnet and Gold game? Yeah, I mean, um, 2023 class was interesting. I believe it finished being 16th or 17th ranked by 247 sports. It was a it's a good class. It's a decent class. They got. They hit their needs, I think, is the most important part, especially since Norvell was looking at, with this year, with a team that's expected to go contend, they hit the transfer porter harder to get veteran players to fill more holes to make sure they're, you know, gearing for a big run this year. So the recruiting class, I don't want to say it was a back burner because it's still very important, but it took a little bit of a backseat. But they hit some of their needs. They got, you know, Brock Lynn, who's probably, you know, who's actually been one of the more impressive quarterbacks um could, could is competing for the number two in the backup role as a early enrollee is someone that the fans will get to see play he's been impressive he's had his moments where he looks like a freshman um but he's also had moments where he he looked he looks like he's mastered the playbook and looks really smart makes some good throws has a good arm um you have a couple wide receivers and um Hakeem williams who's looked really good vendra vendravis jacobs who's learned um um uh, earned a nickname in practices from the media of all day Dre because he just makes big play after big play uh, as a freshman. He's out there. He's one, one of the more impressive freshmen. So we'll get to see him on the field in a live game environment. So that could be interesting. So th- those are a couple of players. Um, freshman wise, they'll probably make a difference this year, at least offensively, defensively. There's a um, couple, but I don't see that happening as quickly. Yeah, so it's a little bit harder, especially since they have a lot of experience uh, returning on that side of the ball. So, you know, after the spring game, FSU has just one more practice the following Monday. Then they're done until the fall in that first game with LSU, which will be played in Orlando. So what type of things will you be working on heading toward the 2023 season once uh, spring football is over? Yeah, I mean, once spring football is over, we get to do a lot more softball coverage since they look really good. Yeah. Um, they look like a team that could go to Oklahoma. They, they earned their first ever um, three-game series sweep of um, a top-five team, which is crazy to think with all this program has accomplished that that was the first time they ever did that. Um, got baseball. We'll obviously have, um, over the summer, look, preview some defense, 
some offense, look at Florida State's football team, break it down to see you know what what can come in. Look at a look at the freshmen that are coming in. As you know, football is a two uh, a tw- uh, 365 job, <laughs> 365 day job. So you know, look at the recruits coming in. There's gonna be some summer practices we got to go to, um, preseason camps. So football will probably you know. There's still be a lot of content we get coming out of the spring game as well. So there's going to be plenty of football stuff coming up ahead as well still, even though football's gone. What should Seminole fans be looking at for the NFL draft here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, um, so Jamie Robinson, safety, is likely the only player going to get drafted from the Seminoles um, team this year. Looking at a second-round pick probably, maybe third-round pick, I think day two either way. He'll make an impact in the NFL. He's a little smaller. He didn't test great at the combine, so it could be interesting to see how that impacts him. Um, other than that, Dylan Gibbons, there's a few players, um, Ontario Wilson, Pokey Wilson, who are probably me, undrafted free agents, will find a role somewhere, but not going to get drafted, I don't think. Sure. So uh, is there anything else, uh, Essen, that we haven't talked about today that you might want to get in front of the audience before I let you go? No, I think uh, that's about it. <laughs> Already, yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job breaking down the offense, the the Showtime Lakers, the defense, the Garnet and Gold game. So uh, plenty of stuff going on. And again, you can find all of Essen Kassam's work at Tallahassee.com. And if people want to follow you along on social media, where can they find you there? Yeah, so my Twitter is um, at Essen underscore Kassam. You can easily find me there. I um, tweet about, obviously, Florida State sports, athletics. You can find anything about any other athletics I'm usually watching, you know, baseball, football, whatever's on. And um, obviously, if you want to come, you could read about Taylor Swift as well. I tweet about her a lot. <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast, although I know very little about Taylor Swift, so you could educate me on that. But uh, it's E-H-S-A-N underscore K-A-S-S-I-M. Essen, uh, I really do appreciate you coming in here and dropping your knowledge. And uh, you want to leave any nuggets about Taylor Swift before you go? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get Eras tickets, um, the tickets for the Eras tour, so that's depressing, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> well, there you go. If you're listening out there, Taylor, I don't know if she's a sports fan, but help Essen out. we got to get him some tickets out there. <laughs> All righty, Essen, again, I appreciate it, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote FSU coaching legend Bobby Bowden, if somebody mistreats you, treat them good, that kills them. Well said, Bobby, and so true in today's day and age. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.